everybody pour one out for Dune chapter part two. There's no longer coming out. Uh, this is a somber episode of Ask Today. I am Adam. And I am Steve. And we're here uh, morning. That's why I'm dressed in black for the release, no November release of Dune part two. Uh, we will not silence the violence. We will continue to be violent until you give us our Dune movie. Uh, and now we are subjected to Captain Marvel in premium formats in its opening weekend. So, Steve, how are you feeling about this? Are you, are you depressed? I am super sad because I'm a huge fan of the first Dune, as well as just a Denis Villeneuve fan. I was really hoping to see that winter Christmas type box office be really big for it and everything and bring people out. But unfortunately, due to the strikes and due to the studios not wanting to pay people, they also didn't want to release it. I'm guessing because they couldn't have this all star cast sell it for them. So it's really sad that it's happening, but it's happening for a good reason, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it really personally hurts me because in our ass game, I have now lost because uh, the nun part two comes out in like two weeks or something like that. And I do not think that it's going to do well enough at the box office. And I also am not afraid of its critical appeal, but that's just because I didn't like the, did you like the first one? Um, I didn't love it, but I like it for what it is. Gotcha. Okay. So you have that. I have Dune. I also have Marvel's Marvel's Marvel's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also have Aquaman in the lost city of the kingdom, uh, which does not have a trailer out at or anything. Uh, do you believe that that movie will come out this year? If you had to say it right now, honestly, I actually, so I just watched the flash too. And mm-hmm. they talk about him a little bit in that movie. And I was like, yeah, they're definitely like setting up. But at the same time, at this point, like you said, without a trailer, I haven't heard anything about it. And, uh, Warner Brothers already pushing Dune makes me think that it's definitely going to be pushed at this point. I would I would put money on it at this point. Yeah, honestly, because if you're releasing Blue Beetle, which will be one of the featured movies we talk about today, uh, if you're going to be releasing that in the theaters like three months, four months ahead of when Aquaman comes out, which, by the way, I think I saw a statistic that this is the third highest grossing movie from Warner Brothers uh, after Barbie and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Because Aquaman did like 1.13 billion or something like that. Yeah, it was really nuts when it came out. I was really shocked by how big it became. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I don't know. You'd think it would be a smart idea to market that movie to the intended audience who's there to see Blue Beetle in its opening weekend. So uh, it's just really frustrating uh, with that as well. And then so I guess Marvel's is the thing that I'm really going to be excited about here, uh, which I uh, find I'll take it, you know, and I I really think here's my hot take about this whole Dune thing. We better respect Timmy Jim, Tim, Timothy Chalamet, who is going to be starring in Wonka in December. That movie will is here to stay. Yeah, that's the funny thing is that he was going to have two big movies around Christmas and it was going to be a decision of which Timothy movie were you going to check out. But now Wonka has it all to himself and I think it's just going to rake in all that cash. And honestly, that first trailer, I did watch it. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't like huge on it going into it, but after watching that, I kind of loved it. So I'm excited to see what happens. I'm completely sold. I am completely sold. I love Paul King. I'll see whatever he makes. Uh, He's, he's batting a thousand with big studio fantasy family films. So I will definitely be seeing this one, but back to Dune. I just, this is really hurts. You know, I mean, obviously for the game, it hurts, but this was like, I feel like the last consensus, 
this blockbuster that everyone was like, yeah, this one's going to be great. You know, there was no haters. Like, Killers of the Flower Moon isn't a, a blockbuster. You know, people have problems with Songbirds and Snakes, Marvels, you know, everything that's coming out this year. But this was the one thing that all of cinema, kind of like Barbenheimer, was excited for, you know? Yeah, especially with that huge cast that they had from the first movie, but only even added more people. Like you have mm. Florence Pugh, who's all at the box office all the time, and a bunch of other people they're throwing in there. So it was going to be a huge movie regardless of kind of, I I think anyway, just the cast mm. in general. But I guess the first movie, because of the pandemic and everything, didn't do huge numbers either. So that's probably why they're trying to justify their decision too. But regardless, it's the studio just not wanting to test the waters and everything and thinking they need all those actors to be able to sell it and on some cases they're probably right but it's really gross at the same time well i do need this movie to succeed because the first one it's like okay it was a weird year we released a day and date with hbo max i think it was one of the first like movie like big movies for that to happen to and the box office was there but like we assume that you got to add like a an extra 100 million or something like that because of the hbo max people who got to see it for free online and the people who didn't feel safe as well you know, so this one, it's like, okay, well, we have the word of mouth. We have the, all the awards from the first one. The second one's going to be huge. We'll even add more to this one. And if it doesn't succeed, who knows that they'll be dumb enough to invest in Dune Messiah, which is a movie I really want to see. It's Denise said he wanted to do this trilogy, and it'll be a shame if he stops after part two. So in a way, I support them moving back, but it also just feels like a really weird release date with march especially if it's going to be an awards type movie but how do you think dune 2 would have fared against oppenheimer that's not oppenheimer but you know what i mean oppenheimer the bomb movie in the technical categories at this year's academy awards you know it'd be hard to say at the same time because i didn't get to see a lot of the stuff but just from judging off of the trailer as well as the first movie I I think it definitely has a fighting chance. And honestly, even like the makeup stuff, even fighting against a lot of the movies that came out this year, I think it could have ran away with some awards. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we won't get to see that reality happen. Yeah, I'm really upset. I mean, good for good for Nolan, because I asked someone the other day, I was like, hey, if you had to make a bet right now uh, on what movie is going to win Best Picture this year, what are you taking? And Oppenheimer feels like a very safe choice. I mean, don't do you feel like Nolan's due at the Academy Awards? Yeah, I actually do. Mm-hmm. What uh, what is the biggest like snub from Nolan for you? I feel like I feel like for me, like Dunkirk could have easily won it. I feel like uh, Inception was uh, just as good as any other movie in 2010, especially better than The King's Speech. Yeah, I definitely say Inception is the biggest one for me. Still didn't watch Interstellar, unfortunately, so I can't talk to that one too much. I didn't either, so I can't blame you. But I will watch it this week, though. I'm going to try to. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest one for me, because yeah. In 2010, I still haven't seen King's Speech yet. That's one of my ones that I haven't seen of Best Picture winners. But Mm -hmm. it's also because it just doesn't really interest me as much as a lot of other movies, especially that it came out that year, so... Yeah, I think he's definitely due up for it. And this one definitely could be the one. I even I watched glimpses of it because I went to the drive in this weekend and I watched Blue Beetle and Barbie again. And on the other screen, they played Strays and they played Oppenheimer. And 
during Barbie, I kept turning around a little bit, just taking glimpses. I was like, all right, they're at that part in Oppenheimer and stuff like that. And I still, like, I knew exactly where it was and everything, and I was still enjoying it, just watching little parts of it that way, because it's a really, really great movie. I plan on rewatching Oppenheimer. I plan on rewatching Barbie and TMNT. Uh, we've been blessed with a wonderful summer, so I guess I can't be too mad about the winter not delivering in blockbusters in the same way. So I guess it's okay. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts on doing getting pushed back? No, I'm kind of just sad for Denis most of all, because his box office always seems to struggle in different ways and different things keep happening. So I'm kind of sad that it's being pushed to March, but hopefully people will come out and watch it because the first one was just so good and you want to see where the story goes. Cause I certainly will be there on day one. You know, I bet that they do a little bit better because of this, because it's going to build up hype. You know, Barbenheimer was such a success because it built up so much hype. And I feel like we're still in the heat, especially with Cinema Day being this past week. Did you go to the cinema on Cinema Day? No, unfortunately, my theater didn't open up till the afternoon. I didn't even know it because there was a power outage due to some of the storms that came through. So Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go out that day, but I still want to go out, especially because right now they're playing Jurassic Park in 3D and I really want to see it in 3D in the theater. So Hopefully I get out there sometime this week to check that out. I almost did that this morning. Uh, but yeah, no, I also didn't go to the theater, but that's because I work. Uh, I worked with many theaters <laughs> yesterday, but it was a huge day. Like I, I heard theaters were like experiencing a 700% increase of ticket sales from Saturday to Sunday. So oh, yeah. that's really special. And so it's good to see all these movies out. But uh, Dune, we will see you. In five months or five extra months, so like over half a year now. So that's the hype will live on between us, I think. No, I agree. And uh, but to continue the trend of sad news, uh, one of my favorite directors of all time, I because I recently decided I was thinking like, oh, personal favorites, like everyone loves Scorsese and Spielberg. Who, Who are people that like people usually don't say that you love? And for me, obviously, M. Night's a big one, but uh, I recently decided Baz Luhrmann was one of my favorite directors. Uh, Elvis was my second favorite movie of last year. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, you have Australia, which is probably his worst one, if I'm being honest. No, I said it. But Romeo plus Juliet's great. Moulin Rouge is even better. And I love The Great Gatsby. So seeing him be attached to rumors to direct the live action adaptation of Tangled for Disney is wildly depressing. How do you feel about it? You know... It could be depressing, but at the same time, I'm holding out hope that Disney lets Boz be Boz, and I think it could be a lot of fun, in my opinion. Like, I, I've seen Tangled so many fucking times because it was my niece's favorite movie when she was probably, like, three years old. Like, legitimately, I had to watch it multiple times per day mm-hmm. to the point where I was remembering the words, not only the songs, just the dialogue in general. But I think in his style, it could be a super interesting and fun fairy tale movie, especially if he's able to do some of the stuff like he does in Moulin Rouge and Elvis with all his different transitions and all his different ways he shoots things. And especially mm-hmm. with music and basically like almost creating musical sequences and music videos in his movies. I think with some of this stuff, if he's able, like I said, to have a little bit of creative control in this story, I think it could be a lot of fun, but would I rather see something just, brand new from Boz that I've never seen before, obviously, because Boz is just crazy. And mm-hmm. I love to see his adaptations, though. Like, Great Gatsby, a lot of people are kind of critical of it, but I personally really love that one. And it's probably my favorite movie of his. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't seen Australia like you were talking about, but of those other ones, I really enjoy all of them too. So I honestly say I could, I'm probably a pretty big fan too. I'm not, I wasn't as big on Elvis as you were, but I actually just got it at Goodwill the other day, like brand new in the plastic on DVD for a buck 50. So good steal. Wow. Wow. Brand new Elvis? Brand new Elvis on DVD for a buck 50 at, at, at just a random Goodwill, like in Mount Pleasant or something when I up by my parents' cabin. Wow, you are a lucky duck. Yeah, I adore that Elvis movie. But the only thing that helps me to sleep at night after hearing this news is the fact that, okay, so Elvis was a huge box office success, right? And it was also a critical success. Everyone really liked it. It got nominated for stuff, maybe didn't win, but it was definitely in the hunt for several different, you know, major awards. So you think, oh, Boz can go do anything he wants next, you know? And and hey, it's just a rumor. It's just a rumor. We We never know. You know, but I think part of the reason why he's interested in doing it is because he seems to really enjoy those big budgets. And it just doesn't seem like Hollywood is very interested in giving out, you know, just like, you know, money to do original projects. So I maybe this is another paycheck movie for him and it will be a huge success at the box office. And, you know, then he's really gearing up to do something himself. But I guess that's just wishful thinking. I think he just wants a big budget in general because he likes that really obnoxious. Like, like you'd be shocked how much CGI is in Elvis. You know, like I, I would bet that there's more CGI in Elvis than there is in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts, especially with how and how much money he puts into it, how good it looks and how you almost don't notice it's CGI at times. But I think it's pretty it's interesting in any way. I think, yeah, I would like to see him do something else, obviously, but under those big budgets, he's able to do a lot of those crazy things that he likes to do, especially with just, like I said, the way he shoots things and moves around his camera so damn much and the crew it takes to do a lot of that stuff. He has to be getting a lot of those bigger budgets to be able to pull off a lot of those big musical numbers and everything that he loves doing. So Mm -hmm. that's probably a lot of his motivation at the same time too. Yeah, and he just is added to a list of directors who I once thought were really cool or can be really cool. Like David Lowry. I love David Lowry, but he went and made not one, but two now uh, Disney live action remakes. And, you know, I mean, Kenneth Brown is not that great, but but he's he's a big director. And then, I mean, you could honestly count John Favreau, even though I really like The Jungle Book, but The Lion King could arguably be the worst of them. You know, and I know people yeah. like Guy Ritchie as well, but which is another reason why it's hard for me to believe that the, his style is going to shine through kind of like the Marvel directors aren't really, you know, get their own style. Like the Disney live action directors might not either. You know, Guy Ritchie, Aladdin doesn't feel like Guy Ritchie at all. Parts of it do. So like when he's running through the town and everything like that, the way it's shot and everything, it definitely resembles some Guy Ritchie styles and some of his action stuff. But mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it, he definitely stuck to a lot of the Aladdin training wheels that I feel like the studio probably wanted him to, unfortunately. But I feel like Tangled might have a little bit more just because it's not as Disney. Like a lot of it is just more fairy tale in general. It's not as concrete with a lot of classic people that are hardcore about the story. I feel like it's new enough that he can probably change some things. Uh, Eureka, I just had a brilliant casting idea because that's the thing. I, it's really going to go down to casting because this is going to be one of my 10 most anticipated movies whatever year it comes out because it's Boz and I'm interested. If not, like I was excited about Space Jam A New Legacy. That was terrible. You know, like sometimes I'm just like so anticipating seeing the giant car wreck, you know, 
So with this, I think that Austin Butler being reunited with Boz as Flynn Rider, you know, very good looking, very young. Uh, and then you have the romantic lead, the, the the main character, Rapunzel, being played by Florence Pugh, who's also in Dune. They're both in Dune together. So they're going to come back for here. this. I don't know. What do you think? No, I love that. I was trying to think of the same thing. I wasn't really picturing anybody in my head, but now that I see that, I can't really unsee it. I kind of love that casting. I love both of them. I'm a big Florence Pugh guy. And honestly, Austin Butler's been growing on me since I saw Elvis. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah, I'd definitely be interested in checking that movie out specifically. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, it's fine. I'm gonna be okay. You know, I'll figure <laughs> it out. And maybe it's not gonna happen. It's just a rumor. I'm genuinely excited about the Hercules, the TikTok inspired one, that is the funniest thing. I can't that's gonna be a disaster. Oh, the one I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see that at all. <laughs> I, I I have a prediction, a bold prediction right now. You can take this to the bank. In the movie, the person who's playing Hercules is gonna have a joke where he says, Taco Tuesday. Like it's it's going to happen. Like it's gonna be like a little video or like a selfie video or maybe a hashtag. Maybe he's eating tacos, but it's Taco Tuesday will be present. I'm very sad about that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but, you know, yeah. I'm just saying that, like, sometimes you got to behold the horror. Um, uh, but, yeah, so uh, any other news type stuff that you want to talk about before we get into some main movies today? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. If not, we can come back to it. Let's talk about what's behind you. Oh, yeah, I got some stray pups behind me because this last week we had the new Will Ferrell comedy Strays with Jamie Foxx. Uh, Isla Fisher was in it, Randall Park, just a bunch of other people that I honestly really, really enjoyed. How about yourself? I got to see this a week early and they were actually giving out little like doggy bags and inside there was a little like fake poop. And so it really got me in the spirit, you know? Yeah. But I thought I told the lady when I walked out of the movie, uh, when I was getting my quote, I was like, oh, uh, this would have been my favorite movie of all time when I was 13. And, you know, that's not necessarily the worst thing. You know, have a nice little immature time, you know, uh, to go to have some drinks, take, you know, take a hit of something and go watch this with your buddies. It's a really dumb comedy. And I honestly think that, like, it's funny because the target demographic I wrote about this was probably like eight males, 18 to like 34, something like that. But oh, absolutely. The, the people who enjoy this the most is males 13 to 17. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of kids. And I, I've been at the theater. There have been a lot of kids going to see this movie with cool parents who are <laughs> letting them have a, a cheeky R-rated evening. Yeah, I definitely, and honestly, in my opinion, if they're, like, above the age of, like, 12 or 13, I say fuck it and take them, because it's really not that bad. They see shit like this on the internet and stuff anyway, so mm-hmm. let them have a little bit of fun, because, yeah, they're definitely the most intended audience, and they will laugh the hardest at these jokes. Unfortunately, like I said in my own review, the trailers ruined a lot of the funniest parts for me, but... Mm-hmm. Overall, I think there was a lot of funny dialogue and like Will Ferrell playing this like innocent dog that's learning all this different stuff and the way they kind of like wrap in the dog humor into all of the crude and like sexual jokes and everything. It it really worked for me and I just was 
I wasn't necessarily laughing the whole time, but I had a smile like plastered across my face the whole time because it was just a fun watch. There was nothing really too bad about it. There was nothing like the effects of the dogs. I've seen a lot worse in a lot of other movies, and they actually like matched the dogs' mouths to the dialogue for the most part. And I thought the effects were pretty decent. And honestly, uh, is it Will Forte that played the 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 owner? Yeah. He cracked me up a lot of times of just how like just mean he was to the dog and everything. Mm-hmm. But overall, it, I thought it was really fun. It, Will Forte is one of my favorite parts as well. I, I really enjoy Randall Park, who's just playing Randall Park, but like no one's acting in this movie at all, anyways. Except I guess maybe Will Forte. He's having a fun time, but he always usually plays that like kind of a dick kind of a guy. So yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I really don't like the dog movie genre. I think that that is a lame John. Like I recently was subjected to the art of racing in the rain and people seem to like that one. And I was like, it's just the same movie that we've seen a million well, times. It 100% is, but for some reason I still, I watched it in theaters and I cried. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a hater. I'm just a hater for the dog movie genre. So like some jokes in this that were parodying that genre really hit home for me, but yeah, no, I, I, I had a good time. I gave it four, which is way too high. It's probably more of a three. It's probably the similar situation with Cocaine Bear. You know, you got your R-rated animal comedy. Oh, the dog said the F word. You know, like, uh, have a fun, silly time. You know, I honestly, if I had to put them next to each other, I may have enjoyed this maybe even a little bit more than Cocaine Bear. Because I haven't rewatched Cocaine Bear, but I would rewatch this one sooner, I think. Just from, like, I just want to show people a few of the jokes. Honestly, like, the lawn gnome stuff really cracked me up and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, that was funny. Them, them with the mushrooms in the woods, I thought was pretty funny too. That was my favorite part. Uh, did you notice that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were attached to this movie? No, I actually learned that like just a few days ago. Actually, just looking up stuff about it, I was like, no fucking way that they're involved. But it makes sense of just like the sense of humor that was in there too. Same thing was I actually we'll we'll, t- we'll bring it up a little bit later. But with the Flash too, I realized that. uh John Francis Daly was one of the writers too, and the other guy that they worked together on all those different movies. And I was like, no shit. I was like, no wonder this movie's actually kind of funny. Yeah, I, I had a great time with it. I mean, it's definitely for a specific demographic, like goofy males. But I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's some goofy females who enjoy this too, but this is not oh. highbrow humor to any extent. It's definitely for like that Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell crowd that especially from like the early 2000s and the late 90s. It's one of those. It fits into those categories of comedy so well. Like if you're a fan of like Step Brothers and like Billy good Madison boys. and things like that, Good Boys, anything like that, just goofy comedies, you'll probably get a kick out of this. It's funny. If I was like 13, my favorite double feature in the world would be in theaters right now would be this uh, and TMNT. Yeah, that that would be a perfect thing for like a group of teenage boys to go check out. Honestly, make your dad go take your kids. Yeah, have a great day. <laughs> yeah, uh, you mentioned Flash, and I can't get it out of my system. I I, we, I I started thinking about it right from when we were talking about the Dune box office at the beginning. Uh, yeah, Flash, talk to me about it. So yeah, I avoided Flash in theaters because Ezra Miller is a little shithead, but it finally came on HBO Max and I watched it and I will be damned if I didn't have a really fun time watching it. I thought it was pretty funny. Unfortunately, Ezra Miller is a really good Barry Allen. I, although I although I do like Grant Gustin a little bit more, I enjoyed this movie a lot. I thought the rest of the cast was really fun around him and 
the effects, yeah, they looked kind of PlayStation 2-esque, but it didn't really take me out of it too much. And the sense of humor this movie had is definitely what kept me going. And I loved all the stupid little cameos that they threw in there. And the Batman story, for what it was worth, I thought was kind of fun, too. I like seeing Michael Keaton back in there. I thought that was really interesting. And the story they took with it, especially with like his dad and everything, I was pretty emotionally attached because they got Ron Livingston, who's a great actor, too playing his dad and yeah i i kind of loved all the stuff with his mom too i was i started to get a little bit emotional but yeah i thought it was pretty good i gave it like a three and a half well that would equal out to about a 70 percent on rotten tomatoes which the movie has in the 60s on rotten tomatoes i think it's 66 which everyone likes to pretend this is like the worst movie anyone's ever seen and it's really not and so i really i really appreciate you are spreading positivity about one of the most underrated movies in recent history, uh, Andy Muschietti's The Flash. How did you like that final joke, the cut to credits there? Oh, yeah, I was I was laughing pretty hard. I was watching it with my dad, actually, and he was like, mm-hmm. he's like, that's not Michael Keaton. And he was like kind of mad about it. And I was like, no, nah, man, it's funny, though. <laughs> so what does that mean to you? How? What's your interpretation of that shot? That last moment of the movie? Um, I don't really know. Because, yeah, I'll kind of talk about how it made me feel. So, to me, this whole movie is a celebration of the end of the DCEU, right? It's us saying, hey, yep, it's it's all fucked. Every movie's (laughs) about Man of Steel and trying to correct Man of Steel. And all this Zack Snyder tone, it's not working. We got to let it go. Just like Barry Allen we got and his mom, we got to let it go. And move on to Superman Legacy. Uh, so the end of this movie is the ultimate fuck you, if you ask me, because it's them being like, yeah, you think we were bad? Hey, remember George Clooney? And then the cut to credits. And I, I think that that's really funny. I think it's really beautiful to bring back. I saw a TikTok the week before it came out where they were interviewing George Clooney. And they were like, oh, hey, you interested in coming back? And he's like, they they don't really look my way when the Flash comes to visit. You know, like, why would they want, like, I wouldn't want to be there anyways, you know? And I thought he was just being a good sport, but was that spoiled for you? It was not, actually. I was totally caught off guard by it. Like, I was expecting something. I knew it wasn't going to be Keaton, or maybe I thought he was going to be all dressed up. But the fact that George Clooney got out, I was really, really, like, laughing pretty hard. Because I was not, I was definitely caught off guard. Did not know any of the spoiler whatsoever. I actually was pretty in the dark for this completely. Because, like I said, when it came out, I kind of just avoided everything Flash for the most part. But I'm kind of sad that I didn't watch it in theaters now, just a little bit. Like, I kind of wish I would have saw it just at the very end of it playing. Because it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. No, and uh, in a world, in a different world, would you like to see a sequel to this? I would absolutely like I that's I really really enjoyed it and uh, as much as I hate to say it he's not a bad actor he's just a shitty person Mm -hmm. and how do you feel about Andy Muschietti's performance directing this movie like how do you feel like this movie affects his reputation and like he was uh, considered to be the Batman the Brave and the Bold I think or something like that the new director of the new Batman movie um how do we feel about him after this I don't dislike it I definitely think that definitely worked with the CGI department a bit longer because he kind of tried mm-hmm. to defend himself a yeah. little bit by by saying that it was supposed to look that way. And it's like, no, man, 
just say mm-hmm. you didn't have enough time or that the team didn't have enough time because that's really evident. But other than that, I think the story was really awesome. I know it was written by like, John Francis Daly and stuff, like I said, but the direction he took with everything and, like I said, all the performances from the rest of the cast I thought was really good, too. And just, yeah, I definitely think he would be a fun director for a Batman movie. Whoever Batman is in his movie, I think, would be fun. Yeah, I I. I don't want to see him direct a Batman movie. I want to see him do anything else. Not even like oh. go back and do a small horror movie, just like do a different big studio type movie. Because to me, he's shown range. Like I did the it movies, you know, I've shown that I could do a sequel. I've shown that I could do horror and all of there and that I've shown that I could do a superhero movie. And this is like a light fun superhero movie. So I don't know. I'm just excited about what he could do going forward. I just don't hope he's not like put in a box you know, he's one of Warner Brothers guys right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. In a perfect world, I'd love to see him go back to horror just because I love horror and want more people to do horror. And I'm happy that like people like James Wan and family like stepping back over into that world, even though he's still doing Aquaman stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Like, I yeah, I like him to do a Batman. But at the same time, yeah, I'd rather see him do almost anything else. Because like you were saying, he hasn't struck out really yet. The box office on Flash, unfortunately, had a lot of other things to do with it other than himself, so you can't really blame him on that. But, mm. like, he has one of the most successful horror movies of all time being it. Mama was pretty well, like, talked about when it came out and everything like that, and he's done other things since then that have kind of pushed him in a direction where I feel like he's going to have that, where people are going to look at him and kind of tell him he can do whatever he wants, and I hope it's not just Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. Do you ever want to see Ezra Miller be in anything again? Or are you done with him? It's it's a difficult thing because, like I said, he's a very good actor. And I do believe that people can grow and change. But it would take a lot in the public eye for me to really change my views at this point. Because a lot of the stuff that he was alleged of doing was kind of just really gross. And if he doesn't really actually apologize for it and show growth, I don't really know if I want to support someone like that. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. Uh, but yeah, any final thoughts on the Flash movie? I, we won't take up too much time on it because it came out a few months ago. Nah, like I said, it's on HBO Max. If you feel inclined, I think it's a fun time. I thought it was a really good story. For what it's worth, I think it's worth checking out. It's on Blu-ray on Tuesday, which is tomorrow, right now when we're recording it. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really might, because I'm waiting until Black Friday. But like, if I see a good deal, I might spring on it because I don't have HBO Max or Max anymore. So maybe I love The Flash. I can't stop thinking about The Flash. Uh, but speaking of DC movies, at the end of DC's rope, is it a, the move part of the end of the DCEU or is it part of the start of James Gunn's new DCU because they're taking out the E. Oh, they are? Yeah. I did they not are. know that. Yeah. So we have Blue Beetle. So Blue Beetle, we saw it this last week. I actually saw it twice. I saw it at the drive in and in IMAX, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to going in. I don't know a whole lot about Blue Beetle. Honestly, I don't know a whole lot about the DCEU at all, really not a huge dc comic fan actually like i know more about marvel than dc like i know like the mainstays like batman and superman but deeper than that i don't know a whole lot so it was really just a brand new story for me and the story that they gave us although it does have a lot of similarities with spider-man especially with the origin ways and everything but 
I think it kind of held its own, and a lot of it was due to like the cast. It was a lot of unknowns, except for like the main kid from Cobra Kai was really great. I think his name was like Jolo. It's like an X name, but it's really he's a really good actor, and I kind of really liked him in this role of playing like this kid who's kind of lost after graduating college, not knowing where he's at and everything, and. And then he gets basically just this superhero thing just thrown into his lap a little bit, kind of similar to how a Spider-Man story works. But the cast is where it really carried it here. Between him and especially George Lopez, I was laughing a lot. And I liked all the different stuff about the Mexican culture that they kind of fit in and everything about family. And honestly, it felt the most MCU that they've done in the DCEU so far. Mm-hmm. So I actually had the best experience watching this movie because I got to see an RPX in like the third row. It was huge, big and beautiful. Um, visually, it's it's not that great. I mean, I think it's interesting the way that the masks works. The the mask works like the jaw will go up and down. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and like not to be spoiler ish, but the scene where he like transforms into Blue Beetle was honestly kind of horrific in a way. Like his transformation almost like like. It almost resembled almost like a werewolf transition in a way of how he like body like morphed into the blue beetle. It was pretty crazy, but played up for laughs, obviously, but honestly looked a bit disturbing in a way. Yes. Sorry, my thing completely moved me over. Okay, Jesus Christ. No worries. Um, yeah, sorry, my computer's being weird. All right. Um sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Okay. Um what were we talking about again? I totally... Blue Beetle. I was talking about how kind of crazy the whole transition of him becoming the yes. Blue Beetle was and how kind of like almost like horrific it looked in a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a fun aspect about the movie. You hit the nail on the head when you said that this uh, heavily resembles Spider-Man. It heavily resembles everything. Uh, and I've seen this movie a million times before. So the parts where it's like different is kind of where it's like cooler. And yeah, that's one of the scenes where it's like, because it's an interesting type of costume because it is like an iron man type suit with like the iron spider things coming out of it but it's also like inside of him and a part of him and in his head and so i think it's just a really interesting concept to play with but uh yeah i i don't see why this movie uh was made i had the theory that you know how there's supposed to be a cyborg movie right Mm -hmm. yeah so there's supposed to be a cyborg movie and then all the stuff with ray fisher happened with joss whedon big problem hashtag i stand with ray fisher so that movie's canned and they're like hmm what's a very similar type thing a guy who's a young man and fuses to an alien robot and is not white you know and i just i have a really cynical perspective of why this movie was chosen because blue beetle is as far as i understand is a very uh supporting character if you ask me yeah, you can definitely see that. And like I said, I don't, I've never really heard of him very much before this movie was advertised, really. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it for the most part. The action was obviously heavily CGI'd. He wasn't really featured that much. But I do feel like he was probably doing some of the hand to hand combat stuff because he does have fight training from being in Cobra Kai, doing the different like martial arts stuff so some of that stuff definitely in camera i think was done and it looked pretty good for the most part the fight choreography but 
heavily CGI'd. Some of it looked better than others. And obviously the Iron Man suit of like the face being inside the suit and everything was a fun perspective in a way, but it's something we've seen a million times. And like you kind of nailed it there too. We've seen this movie a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways with the Marvel and DCEU, but at the same time, it kind of picks out a lot of the good parts and made for a really good movie in my opinion not like the best that has to offer but in my dceu ranking right now i'd probably like plop it right in the middle nothing really that bad about it but nothing that is really gonna like stand out although i did see it twice already i don't think it's like one of my absolute favorite movies in there yeah i have a hard time saying i would watch it again anytime soon ever and i do really like the main character jaime reyes i think he's a really fun proactive. I like his arc in the movie. I like the relationship with his family. Uh, I did say this in my review. I was like, oh, it's definitely just as much a uh, family movie as it is a superhero movie. You know, you get all the like, I, it felt like a Nickelodeon live action family movie, like the granny. Oh, granny's badass. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just was really cheesy and like, hey, it's fine. It's not for me. I just would be surprised if there's like two single 40 year old men who go into this movie without any kids or anything and being like, this was like my favorite movie of the year. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not, it's for teens, man. This is like cartoon network shit right here. Well, yeah. And that's kind of the thing that I feel like the DC has kind of been missing over the last few years. Like it tried with the Joss stuff and with the uh, other stuff from Zack Snyder it was taking itself almost too seriously at times. So this one, like, definitely with James Gunn stepping in, he just steered things in the complete different direction, I'm guessing. And mm -hmm. while it may have worked for the better in some ways, there are definitely going to be some parts of the audience that aren't going to be as keen on a more of a comedy rather than a straight-up action movie. But I think it balanced the two things pretty well. And if the DCEU kind of continue, or the DCU, because they're dropping the E, if it continues in this kind of direction, I feel like it would be fun in a way because i mean all the people really kind of soured to uh shazam earlier this year it kind of falls under that same tone and honestly kind of falls in the same tone as the flash where all of these movies are a bit more silly than some of the other things we've seen in the dcu before and it kind of works for the better in my opinion yeah i guess that's one thing i'm a little interested about in the new aquaman movie you get a very thor and loki type relationship between him and um, the guy who directed Insidious Chapter 5, Patrick, Patrick Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Oh, King Orm. Uh, King he's Orm, the yeah. Ocean Master. I'll never forget that. But yeah, I don't know. This was this was fine. Blue Beetle was okay. It's interesting because it, it's such an innocent little movie, but it is caught up in this storm that DC has where it's like we're moving away from the, the the Zack Snyder stuff like you said and we're trying to do more sillier stuff with this and like Flash and I don't want this to be a part of anything I my prediction unfortunately was do you remember the Flash cameo in the original Suicide Squad movie yeah barely but yeah exactly that's <laughs> the kind of that's the amount of this iteration of the Blue Beetle that we will get in the next five years at uh, DC yeah, I hope that's not the case, just because I like Jolo a lot, and I think he's a fun actor, but I can kind of see that happening, especially with, like, I don't think they're going to continue too much with Shazam and everything. Like, I feel like a lot of the people that are in right now, even the newer type of people, probably won't be around that long, especially because 
although this is like getting like decent viewership and decent ratings and everything, I don't think it's going to really capture the masses like it really was intended to. No, I definitely agree. Yeah, it's super underperforming. Uh, to touch on a, another point you made, uh, actually, I want to do a new award category at the end of the year when I do my awards. And it's like best line delivery uh, because this year's had some great ones, specifically uh, Ken screaming, I'll see you on the Malibu beach is a personal favorite for me. Uh, but from this movie, and honestly, the heart of the movie, George Lopez, when he screams out, uh, Batman's a fascist, that's the funniest damn thing I've heard all year. That's like when Gal Gadot said that, that we had enough champagne to fill the Nile, man. Like, I'm never going to forget that. What does that mean? Can you tell me what that means? Like, I, I get what it means, but what, what is he trying to say, you know? Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say just because he's so crazy about, like, the different government and technology things that he's trying to say that, like, Batman's, like, a, I don't even know, like, almost like... He's a part of it. <laughs> yeah, he's part of all the plan and everything, and he's part of the bad shit, but... Yeah, George Lopez in that movie fucking just cracked me up the whole time playing his uncle being like the conspiracy guy and just being like just really goofy, but also just full of heart and everything. And he calls his freaking Toyota Tacoma taco all the time, the taco truck and everything like that kind of goofy stuff. Like if George Lopez wasn't there for all the comic relief, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. Yeah, he's the funniest part about the movie. And, and still, it's not that funny, if you ask me. But there's some moments like that that really shine. And speaking of him referencing Batman, we hear Bruce Wayne mentioned on the TV. Uh, he Jaime went to Gotham Law. Uh, he's wearing the jacket earlier in the movie. They mm -hmm. mentioned the name Superman. So Superman exists in this world. I really enjoyed the world building in this movie. Like, you really could. It could go from come from anywhere. You know, we don't see Ben Affleck. We don't see Henry Cavill. We don't see anybody. You know what I mean? We just talk about things and you're kind of seeing how people in different parts of the world view these characters. Yeah, there will be the conspiracy theorist nut, which I felt like because I heard that line a million times because I see the trailer a million times. And I was like, what is he talking about? And it's like, yeah, he was like worried about being in an airport lobby, like because of the cameras and stuff. So, of course, he's going to have some weird theory like Batman's a fascist. They're not saying Batman's a fascist. But it's funny that he's just like exerting that information. But yeah, just the the little like, like, well, oh, this is how this family in near Miami, you know, that's how they view the rest of the DC universe that's going on right now. Like, I don't know, I thought that was kind of like, I'm just saying this movie makes itself accessible. So if it was a huge hit and uh, they could use it in the new DCU, uh, but that's kind of a lame, like, Iron Man. You know what I mean? Like a lame starter movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to really stick around in too many people's memories. But for what it is at the moment, I think it's a fun time. But, yeah, mm. I can't see myself. Like like I said, I've already watched it twice. It was mainly because I wanted to watch Barbie again. And Barbie mm. was the movie after. But mm. overall, I think it was a fun watch. And, yeah, like I said, if George Lopez wasn't there. I don't think it would be even as memorable as it is at the moment i have it just below shazam because it's like very similar like i gave it a very generous four because i was like i'm either gonna give it a four and be super mean to it or give it a three and be super nice and i'd rather pretend to be nice and be mean <laughs> so i gave it a four yeah and it's, so I it's been bouncing it's been bouncing right between like three and a half to four for me because I really enjoyed it, but yeah, it's not a perfect movie by any means. But if you're a fan, and like I said, especially like Spider-Man type 
movies if you like that type of formula i think you'll at least get a kick out of it and like it has a lot of representation for mexican and latino americans and everything and how that their culture as well as like their different lifestyle and especially even like the home invasion scene that it could almost resemble like ice in a way and things like that like very very thing similar things that could almost be not only just referenced in their own lives but just about people's culture in general mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a, an interesting part about the movie i saw it with my roommate who's of mexican descent so he was like telling me about like like the little tv show references that they did some of the music like a lot of what the soundtrack and so it's just interesting to see that that uh, perspective of the movie because you know obviously I'm ignorant to certain parts of other cultures that I've not experienced, but mm-hmm. I think I have it just above Aquaman because like Aquaman has higher highs but it has lower lows and it's also super long. Like at this, at least this has the decency to be under two hours and ten minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, so, you, do you want to see more? Do you want to see another a sequel to Blue Beetle? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't continue it, but I would watch more if they did. Yeah, it just feels like CW type stuff and and no offense to the CW, but like full offense to the CW. Like, I'm not a fan of the CW. I like a lot of the stuff, but I get what you're saying. It's definitely not quality most of the time. Yeah, I'll never. I know I'm not a TV guy and I'll never do most things, but I I will never, never. (laughs) <laughs> do that i'll never do the rest of the netflix marvel stuff either i just i can't do any of it yeah but no yeah go see this go see it support it i mean it doesn't deserve actually warner brothers does not deserve your money at the moment and i feel bad um, for this poor kid I, I i hope he gets another cool opportunity in the future if you're gonna give warner brothers money for anything do it for barbie still in my opinion yeah yeah <laughs> that's for sure but this is fun. And you know what I mean? It's an innocent, cute little movie. Don't don't hurt it. It didn't do anything wrong, okay? It's just trying its best. No, like I said, I enjoyed it, but it's not something that I'll think about toward the end of the year. Just like, mm-hmm. I'll be thinking about Barbie with Warner Brothers stuff and not uh, sadly Dune 2. Mm-hmm. But another movie that we really enjoyed was uh, Nimona. Speaking of Netflix-type movies, this is an animated movie with Riz Ahmed and isn't it Chloe Grace Moretz? It um, is, yeah. It's like it's like a fantasy movie, but it's like set in modern. Like there's phones and stuff, but like they're they're knights and you know, yeah, creatures, it's like a queens. futuristic medieval is kind of how Castles. I explained it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's a cute, fun little movie. I don't know. I really liked it. Yeah, I didn't really hear a whole lot about it going into it. The only time I really heard about it is I watched the Try Guys on YouTube, and one of them, Eugene, the Asian man, is actually one of the voices. He plays Riz Ahmed's boyfriend in this. Oh, I like that dynamic. Yeah, and his I liked it. It was like the first time I've ever heard him be a voice actor in anything. He's done, like, I think he did one of the Star Wars shows like the animated where they did like the japanese style animation and different things and i think he did a voice in that but this is the first time i saw him in any feature thing and i thought he fit in the cast really well and i loved all the different voices and the characters they made in here were very very fun while the shapeshifter character is kind of something we've seen before in a way but they did a lot of things in here that that kind of changed things up in a way like i said the different blending the future with the medieval stuff was really interesting in a way and the animation style was pretty cool but some of the story definitely fell in line with some stories we've seen before with different like betrayal and tricking people and all these different things but i think it's mainly the cast of characters that really sold it for me yeah i 
think they subverted expectations in a lot of great ways. Like, I like that there's not a romance between the two main characters. I like that it's definitely more of a friendship. I I really enjoyed how, like, halfway through the movie, like, the main goal of the movie, the main thing we're trying to do, X, you know what I mean? Um, that gets accomplished halfway through, and our characters are, like, dancing and, like, celebrating their win. And it's just like, no, we got a whole nother half of a movie here. And I, I feel like I had a lot to say about... Uh, our world today and how things are run and how information is spread and verified and such. So I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the only, the only problem is, is uh, I, I can't show my kids because uh, they're going to be gay it, immediately. The moment they see two men kissing, it's over, you know? Yeah. Disney's pushing the agenda and now Netflix is on it. What the fuck is going on? But realistically, it's a very good movie with a lot of very positive messages and, Unfortunately, with the movie with a year that has so many great animated movies, this one won't probably see any attention at any awards or anything. But I think it's definitely worth your time. The, mm-hmm. Just the, with the story alone and the cool animation, I think it's definitely something to check out on Netflix whenever you get the chance. It was something that has been out for months and we're just now watching it. So I'm very curious to see if anyone else has before this, because I think you said Alex had watched it. And that's kind of one of the only people I really noticed on my letterbox, too, that really raved about how much they loved it. No, everyone who's watched it has really liked it. And that's why I ended up seeing because the word of mouth is so great. And interestingly enough, this is the liberal sound of freedom if you don't know, because it was supposed to be released, like, it's been done for a long time, and it's just now seeing the light of day, but damn you liberals for not going out there and supporting this like you did Sound of Freedom. Netflix wouldn't let you support it at the box office, but I do think it's a shame what you're saying, though, because I, I believe it's currently one of the five best animated movies of the year, but I agree, I don't think it'll get the attention when all said and done. Yeah, and it's really a shame, like, I highly highly suggest people go check it out because it should be in the conversation even though it won't be it's free it's on i mean everyone has netflix right for the most part i think i think some people got shoved out because of all the password sharing but honestly i waited a little bit and i got right back on to my brothers and didn't charge them extra or anything so go check that password again it might work people yeah, it didn't do anything to me either. If they did, if I, I will never pay for my own streaming services uh, <laughs> because I would rather, I mean, I have my collection. I'm actually moving it just after this. Uh, so the next time you see me, well, I mean, I kind of like these like fun movie poster backgrounds, but I have my collection that's usually behind me in my videos. So I'm really excited. I've been doing many lately because I'm like, ooh, almost. And I'll be back in my little set. But yeah, yeah no, um, this has been a uh what's it called what, what movie were we just talking about nimona one of the nimona. best animated movies of the year yeah it's, it's a good little movie do you like it more than elemental um right I, same range right yeah i'd actually have to rewatch elemental which i do own on voodoo now if you want to rewatch it but no i noticed i noticed my buddy wants to watch it and i don't but i'm like yeah. hey i'll i'll throw it on while you're over at some point yeah. it's a it's really fun and like similar to this it has a lot of positive messages about like racism and classism and different things like that while still being a very entertaining animated movie. But I think I would rather watch Nimona at the end of the day. I think that one was just a bit more unique in its style and everything. But both movies are really good. And yeah, can't really go wrong with either. Mm-hmm. The best animated movie of the year doesn't have any of your, the liberal woke agenda Spider-Verse. There's nothing about racism or the LGBT. 
Yeah, yeah nothing about yeah, nothing about none of that for yeah, sure. <laughs> because I know she had that too, and I reached watched that recently. And and while I love TMNT, uh, across the Spider Verse is just head and shoulders ahead of the. It's the class of this of this year. I mean, am I right? Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I haven't got to rewatch it yet. I actually bought it for my brother for his birthday, but I'm mm-hmm. very excited to go check it out again because yeah, it's just so damn good. I mean, the animation alone is worth it, but. It has a great story in there and one that I really hope we can see the end of eventually because now it's getting pushed back again. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited to see that especially. But yeah, this year for animated movies has just been awesome. Yeah, so check out Demona. I give it a four. What'd you give it? I think I gave it a four as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to throw out some other ones that I've seen recently. I did the in the theater, The Last Voyage of the Demeter and that was a movie with Dracula in it and it was decently fine. Like, I think the thing that I noticed the most about it is like in horror movies, so seldom so do we get to actually see the villain and there's like shots of him, like (laughs) with light on his face and it's cool to see him and he's really creepy and scary. And it, and I understand why some horror movies like don't show the monster, but I thought that this one was like, an apt way of doing it. And it's so funny because it ends, they want it. They want to do a sequel. And it's like, it's like, shut up. Yeah. So, you know me, you know, I like horror movies, no matter if they're silly or not and shit. So Mm. I haven't got to see it yet. You think I would be a fan of this one? Dude, you like the Pope's Exorcist, man. You'll have a good time with this. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you talked about that. We'll talk about the Pope's Exorcist for a second. You've seen part of it. I watched Mm. the whole thing with my brother the other day. It is a very silly movie. It's mm-hmm. not great, but mm-hmm. if you can lean into the joke of it being very weird that Russell Crowe is this priest <laughs> who's like mm-hmm. a goofy priest, even though they don't like him being a silly guy, even though mm-hmm. he does all this different stuff with uh, possessions and everything and doing different exorcisms. But yeah, his stuff with the Vespa just fucking cracked me up. There's a scene in there. It's not really a spoiler, but there's like a well at the at the castle that he goes to. And at one part, he needs to pull the lid off of it. And he can't do it by hand. So he fucking pulls, ties a rope to the Vespa and fucking pulls, pulls it off with the Vespa. <laughs> like the Vespa's actually going to pull off a fucking stone thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. so goofy. But if you can laugh at it and you're, you're a Russell Crowe fan, which I know you said you're not the biggest Russell Crowe no. fan, but... If you're a fan out there and you like to laugh at something that it has some horrific type of moments, but even the digital effects are kind of bad, too. But I had fun with it. It kind of reminded me of Van Helsing, which I'm also a big fan of. And I can also see why people wouldn't like that one, too, because it's very goofy. But I have fun with that shit. (laughs) No, yeah, it definitely feels like a mid 2000s, like big budget type movie, especially since Russell Crowe. Like, oh my gosh, he is definitely past his prime now. But I will finish the movie. I I think it'll be fine. And I'm also not excited about The Exorcist Believer. So I guess it might just be Exorcist movies for me. But it's whatever. Yeah, I mean, I thought that going into this one, like I didn't see this one in theaters because I was like, I'm over Exorcist stuff. But mm. I enjoyed it and... Honestly, for the trailers that have been coming out for that new Exorcist movie, I'm kind of sold on it because I was like watching the trailer before I knew what it was. And I was like, hmm, this is a cool story. I like it. And then, of course, once they start talking about the original movie, I was like, okay, I'm okay with it because I like some of what David Gordon Green did with the Halloween stuff. So I'm hopeful that it's going to be good, but I'm not going to hold my breath over it, you know? I like the concept 
of like, oh, there's two girls. Not only is there two girls, but like the two, they have to find a way to decide which girl. Yeah. And I think that that could be an interesting moral conundrum, kind of like Saw, but with like more people in the room kind yeah. of thing. But uh, I don't know. I don't like blood, guts, and gore, and screaming, and bleh. it's not my type of horror movie. Yeah. But other than that, I watched Jewels in the theater. Yeah, I went out and I saw this in a movie theater. Ben Kingsley definitely raises this movie's uh, value. Uh, there's a little alien guy in it that he becomes friends with. He like crash lands in his backyard. And Ben Kingsley's like an old dude, and he's like, oh, just hang out with me, alien guy. And now he has a friend who's a girl, and then he gets another friend who's a girl, and they're all old. I don't think I've even heard of this movie. I don't know how I haven't, but this is very unfamiliar to me. It was mildly marketed, uh, if at all. It was fine. I thought it was cute. Uh, Like, it was a little funny. Someone recommended it to me at work, so I was like, why not? And it was like 96 minutes. It's really, like, not a movie you need to go out of your way for. Uh, you know, your grandma, you bring your grandma. You have a good time. You ever see uh, a man called uh, uh, Ove or Otto the new one? Otto. Yeah. yeah. Ove is the the other one, the international yeah. one. I but, haven't. My parents watched it and I think they liked it. Well, it kind of reminded me of that because there was a moment like this movie is for old people. You know, it's not for me, even though I was the one laughing the hardest in my theater with about double digit people in there. <laughs> uh, but there's a joke like there's a thing there's a moment when they're like like she's like oh my daughter she's a lesbian but i love her anyways and then eventually they put a shirt on the alien that says, you're not gonna watch it uh, it's a shirt that just says um i'm not a lesbian my girlfriend is which is funny because yeah calling yourself a lesbian but yeah. like there's gonna be old people who watch this movie who are like hey woke hollywood and your lesbians brainwashing uh and it's just like i just feel like you're counter like that's not what your demographic wants your demographic doesn't want to be hit with messages about like uh the lgbtq community unfortunately like oh well well uh, trust me our demographic will be out there in droves for bottoms this week but i'm i don't think older people want that you know what i mean no, yeah, I'm excited for bottoms, but I don't think I don't think you're gonna get people, especially in the fifty plus range, out there to see it. This sound sounds like this is gonna be the one for them, and yeah, I might check it out when it comes on streaming eventually. But it hasn't been on my radar whatsoever, and I'm not surprised now hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, it's three out of five. Fine movie. What else? Do you, what have you been watching? Uh, I watched a cool movie on Shutter actually that was pretty good. Called Tigers Are Not Afraid. It's a movie out of Mexico, and it was actually really, really cool. It was like a horror movie, but kind of almost fantasy in a way at times. It's about a bunch of kids in Mexico who are like orphaned by either like, I think it's mainly the cartels in Mexico that are basically like killing their parents and like kidnapping people and shit. And all of these kids are basically create a gang together trying to keep each other safe and everything and there's different cool effects that they do with like the different blood trails saying like the blood is coming from the cartel and everything and there's a lot of different unique things as well as being a coming of age but still a horror movie it's pretty cool it's all in spanish but definitely worth checking out i gave it a four out of five just yeah the digital effects in there are really good but the performances from all these different kids i'm not a huge fan of kid actors but from what they did with this, apparently they were all basically like brand new and a lot of them kind of knew or grew up in a bit of struggles in a way. Like I think one of the kids was actually an orphan himself and 
it has a very realistic feeling to it while still being a bit fantasy. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I know Shudder always does a lot of good stuff on there. I actually have not seen as much of it as I do lately because I haven't been writing as much for Disappointment Media. But um, I I also did in a foreign film this week at the theater. I went and saw Old Boy. Uh, Definitely one of those homework type movies. Uh, Go watch it. It's really cool style and really good editing. Uh, But it's just a very, um, it's not as actiony as you'd think it would be. And the mystery for me, I, someone spoiled it for me. So it was hard for me to get into it, but there's a cool hallway scene. I, I hate hallway scenes from now on. Everyone's always like, Oh, you need the hallway scene. This is his like blue beetle had a hallway scene. That old boy was the hallway scene. And then everyone else started to mimic that, whether it be like the daredevil TV show and things like that, which the one take hallway scene is really cool, but old boy did it first. And it was a lot of the choreography that a lot of stuff, especially in like, korea and different countries are very known to do more of the martial arts stuff in camera and actually want to do it rather than cutting it up a bunch like say like a born identity and things like that but i haven't seen old boy in a long time i really wanted to see it in theaters again but it didn't play around me but i'm really happy you checked it out and yeah it's a very it's a very shocking thing especially if you don't know the story going into it and everything of what happens and it can be quite disturbing, but at the same time, a really good story and very encapsulating and yeah, shot very well and edited geniusly, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't see myself watching it ever again. I definitely will seek out the Spike Lee old boy very soon. Have not uh, seen that version. So I'm curious about it too. Yeah. I'm excited to see it, but I've heard it's worse and I can't wait to see why it's worse. But I want to really finish like Spike Lee's entire filmography, which I know will be a trek. But I have like a collection of just Spike Lee movies that I want to watch. So that'll be cool. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's I my letterbox review is like oh, pranked. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. oh, I got you, man. Like, it's like one of those like we're like two guys like it's a prestige. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the prank. Like, is... I got your ass, man. It's a brutal prank, though. <laughs> it's pretty fucked. <laughs> the most brutal prank ever. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. It's just it's pretty convoluted. It's like kind of hard to watch, and uh, so I don't really like recommend it too much. But it was the highest, it was the most popular movie on my watch list, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty great. Another one that I rewatched actually recently that I really love people to see and kind of rewatch again. Seed of Chucky did not really get a great release back in 2003 because honestly it's centered around a trans character Mm. and especially back then that was not something that people really liked whatsoever but looking back at it now it's actually a really unique and kind of interesting story while still straight up being one of the goofiest horror comedies you can watch like i know you said you haven't really watched any of the child's play chucky series yet but the first three are more horror and then once you get to the fourth one which is bride of chucky they just start leaning into the goofy shit and seed of chucky's basically a straight-up comedy with some horror stuff mm-hmm. and then they kind of get back into the horror for uh six and seven or whatever but this one is definitely very goofy and self-aware but it's the first time that the guy who's been writing them since the first movie actually got to be the director and yeah like i said it's he's a gay man himself so he kind of wrote in like this different story and it's like i don't know if you're aware of the glenn versus glenda movie that came out years and years ago like i think i can't remember what the guy's name is but they did a biopic with johnny depp years ago 
I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he directed that movie. And that's kind of what this movie is loosely based around. Cause there was like a trans character then where he like crossed about Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Yes. Ed Wood okay. created the movie Glenn versus <laughs> Glenn slash Glenda or whatever. And it was about kind of like, I don't know if he was technically trans or he was just a cross dresser, but this character is like, it's Chucky and his bride's son slash daughter because he's born doesn't really know their identity and things like that so it's very much like a trans story but far ahead of its time because like i said it came out in 2003 and was critically panned because a lot of people were like this is too gay i don't like it i don't understand it because obviously 20 years ago no one fucking accepted anything gay like that gay was still a punchline and things like that so this movie took a lot of chances and i think it deserves more of its flowers now Sounds like it's a kind of a sister movie with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That would actually be a beautiful double feature. Mm-hmm. No, I want to get into the Chucky series. The only one I've done is the Aubrey Plaza remake that came out a few years ago. Yeah, which is fine. I don't dislike it that much, but it was very much out of the kind of Chucky realm. Like, unfortunately, the guy who created the original don mancini who i talked about directed seed of chucky he's still making them as well as he actually does a show on sci-fi which rivals the movies in some ways like it's really fucking good in my opinion but yeah it was that movie was kind of made out of spite he kind of told them he didn't really want them to remake the movie since he was still making movies himself about chucky but it's a fine movie but i highly recommend especially like the first two movies, the third one, I don't really like that much, but you might get more of a kick out of it. I don't know. I'm curious to hear all of your opinions about all of them, honestly, but they jump around in tone a lot, but for the better towards the end, I think. Mm-hmm. No, I'll definitely be venturing upon franchises like that. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Underworld, Resident Evil come Halloween time because I, I like to get some of my horror franchises out of the way. I will tell you right now. Resident Evil is fun to watch. I did that one last year, but it is atrocious when it comes to some of the quality, especially towards the last couple. I actually like the second one the most, and Texas Chainsaw, the first two are good. I actually don't hate the last one that came out on Netflix a couple years ago, but there are a lot of stinkers in there. But one of them actually has fucking Matthew McConaughey as one of his first roles in Hollywood. So, And I think think Renee Zellweger might be in the same one, too, like very bizarre that they're both in texas chainsaw but it was one of their, their first roles and i think at one point matthew mcconaughey tried to sue the studio to try to not get it released because he like was about our days of confused was about to come out or something and he didn't want that to like interfere with his career wow yeah <laughs> very it's, funny. it's one that i'm excited just for film history like horror movie history that i'm excited for uh speaking of dog water the last movies i will bring up is i've seen some real trash lately uh specifically in the last 24 hours i did alice through the looking glass maleficent mistress of evil which were both equally terrible if you had to ask me which one's worse i would have a really hard time uh during my friends with benefits uh like uh binge i did friends with benefits uh the what's it called love and other drugs and i also did no strings attached which was terrible uh but the worst movie i watched recently was little nicky little nicky's terrible i gave it zero stars i hate little nicky I have not rewatched that since I was a child, so I can't really have too much of an opinion on it. But as a little kid, I thought it was great. I I, I hated every moment of it. I thought it was kind of cool where they did some practical effects in hell, but Harvey Keitel should be embarrassed. 
Uh, Adam Sandler himself should be embarrassed. This was his worst performance ever. It's up there with Jill and Jack and Jill. He's I gross. That's crazy. I mean, I hear people like love this movie way more often than hate it. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, good for them. Good for them. Bad movie. I'll recommend Jack. Jack is a really great time. Is it Robin uh, Williams. Yeah, I had a great time with it, and then I saw that it was poorly rated, and I was like, "Fuck." I don't uh, think I've seen that one, honestly. Uh, it's directed by the guy who did The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola, and he defends it to this day. Um, and Robin Williams, I imagine, would as well, uh, because yeah. they really liked each other working with each other. But that's all I have to say for today. You can check me out on Hard Reviews. I just posted one today for Strays because I forgot. And I'll be doing more because I'll be in my office where I have all of my movies, and I'm going to go literally do that right now. So thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, you can find me on the film fan reviews. I'm not sure what I'm going to review next at the moment. There's some things coming out this weekend, but I don't know. We'll see. Might see Gran Turismo. Might not. Ah. That marketing campaign is just fucking gross, in my opinion. Yeah. So I might just wait to see it. But what else is even coming out this weekend? I can't even remember. Equalizer 2 is coming out soon. Equalizer 3. I saw Equalizer oh, 2. Jesus. Equalizer yeah, 2 had Pedro Pascal. Two. Damn it. Uh, and then there should be Bottoms as well. Oh, uh, yeah, but then Bottoms. Nun 2 comes out as soon. Yeah, Nun 2 will definitely be my big review because I'm championing that movie. People need to go see it so I can just further cement this win. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, at this point, I'm honestly rooting for you. You know, I just, when we knew, we knew going into it, if you picked a movie that was late in the year, you have the chance that it could get delayed. And uh, Marvel's got delayed, and now Dune has gotten delayed, and Aquaman is sure to follow. So keep watching movies, guys. Uh, don't let the Barbenheimer die. Go watch that again. I actually, I might do a double feature. I never did the double feature. I did back-to-back days. Yeah, I didn't either, but I've seen Barbie twice now, and I would watch it again because it's just that much fun. I was singing along to the Matchbox 20 song because I was at the drive-in, so I wasn't bothering anybody else. And it was just a really fun time to just experience it all once again and just live in Barbie land. And thank you guys so much for for, for experiencing some ass today. And adopt Adam a stray C. dog Show. today. Yeah, go get a dog. I might. I actually might, by the way. Do it. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>